Amen. Good morning, everyone. I want to tell you, it's good to be home. Uh, last Sunday, my family and I were on vacation, and uh, we had a good vacation, for those who care. And um, uh, so we were, uh, on Sunday of last week, we were on the beach in Atlantic City area, and, uh, but it is good, be, good to be back. I just realized how blessed we are uh, um, even today. Uh, I don't know about you. I was overcome during worship. Um, I, and it doesn't happen to me all the time, but I like when it does, and I want more of it. I want God to move more in my life. And uh, actually, I wasn't the only one. Some other people told me that um, God was really moving heavily on them. So be open to that. Be open to God touching your heart and touching your life. Sometimes, you know, we could get so hardened and so into the routine of things that we miss the moment we miss what God's doing. And um, it's so important to be proactive in keeping our heart open to God and what God's doing. Uh, before we get into the message today, I want to I pray for our country. Um, <laughs> we need God's help. We need God's intervention um, in our nation, just in, on so many levels, um, internally, internationally, uh, our president, our, our government, um, um, the position holders in, in the uh, Congress, uh, governors and such, they need wisdom, like probably more so than ever before. So I want to just take a moment and pray, and I just, if you could join me, that'd be great, and um, just ask God to begin to move on our nation. You know, I don't believe God has given up on our nation. I think a lot of times some people, you know, they've written our nation off. God's now in judgment mode and things like, I don't believe that. I believe God's got a lot of good things for our nation, and um, I believe that as we, the people, pray, um, we repent, we cry out, there's healing for our land. Amen? So, Father, we just come before you today, humbled, Lord God, eyes open, realizing how much we need you, God. Um, Lord God, we, we come, Father God, uh, we, we just pray, Father, for peace over our land, peace, Father, over, over uh, the unrest, over the hurt, over the pain, over the scars, God. Um, that our country is experiencing in various places, Lord. Um, and Father, we just ask God for uh, a unity and Father, for a heart for you, Lord. And we lift up our, our president, Lord. And God, we just ask for wisdom. We ask for your blessing upon him, uh, Lord God. We ask God that you use him in a mighty way, God, that you touch his heart and his family and you draw them to you, God. We ask, Father, for uh, key political leaders and influencers, God, that you would use them, God that you would uh, touch their hearts, draw them to you, Father. Use them in areas of wisdom, Father, internationally, locally, Father, uh, nationally, Lord God, however, Father. But we just pray for the peace, God, Lord, that only you can give over this nation and over our world, Lord. We pray for peace over Jerusalem, God, Lord. And we ask you to move, God, Father. We ask for intervention, Lord God. And, and there's more that we could, uh, Lord, talk about, Lord, in sides and positioning and all that stuff. But, God, we ask you to intervene. Lord, we ask you to be God in those situations, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. All right, so today we got, uh, I've got a happy message for you today. You may not think that way, but I, I do. And um, we're, uh, last week we started a new series on Samson, but we started that because I wasn't here last week to finish the series that we were previously doing on how to be rich. Now, I know everyone wants to learn how to be rich. Okay, so uh, we, we had two messages in that series um, prior to this one, and this will be the closing one. 
Um, and I want to start off by just sharing a personal story. When I was 20 years old, I remember sitting in a catechism class at a church. I was, I was a brand new Christian. I was very early in my, my Christian walk. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I had no background, no reference point, no teaching up to that point. And um, I remember sitting in a catechism class, which I still don't know what that is, but I would just equate that to uh, something like discipleship or Christian training to help someone grow in their faith and to understand what the Bible says so that they can understand what they believe. And so I was in this catechism class, and I remember being challenged in one area specifically, and that was in the area of tithe, which if you don't know what that means, it, it means uh, giving giving a portion of your income to the local church, to the Lord, and to the work of the kingdom of God. I remember being ch uh, challenged in that area and just beginning to think, you know, what does this look like? Here I am, I'm a 20-year-old. Many of you are that age or around that age. You're young. You probably have no income or little income. Um, you're probably struggling maybe financially or you're being challenged financially. And uh, I remember having college debt at that point. I was not living with my parents. I didn't have the luxury of having uh, a roof over my head provided 100% by my parents or food put uh, on the table provided 100% by my parents. I was, I was supporting myself at that time. I had college debt. Um, I was getting ready to get married to this beautiful woman at that time. Um, I was dating her and, and so very eagerly looking to start our life together. Um, but I was being challenged in this area of financial giving to the Lord. And I remember I just jumped, maybe I'm stupid or something. I don't know. Sometimes I think I am because I just, I'm sort of like Peter, you know. If Jesus says, get out of the boat, I'm going to get out of the boat, you know. And you can ask a million questions before you get out of the boat or you could just get out of the boat. You see what I mean? And so I just got out of the boat in the area of giving my finances to the Lord, trusting him. Because there, was, there were several promises tied to that. And I said, well, you know, if God's word is God's word and God is God and his promises are true, I'm going to believe him. I'm going to trust him. And that was when I was 20 years old. I'm 45 years old today. Yep. Now, it's not my birthday. I was waiting for someone to say happy birthday, but you, it, you didn't fall for it. So, so that was a long, long time ago. I know you all thought I was probably 30-ish or something, but... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, yeah. So anyway, uh, that was 25 years ago. We got married. I mean, we never, in all of our life, never had an issue with this thing called tithe. There's a lot of people, to be frank and honest with you, that have an issue with this thing called tithe. In fact, some of you are probably, even at this moment, like Josh said, getting cold sweats or sliding to the front of your seat, like, when can I make a break for it? I'm not going to take an offering. I'm not going to pressure you. This, I believe, will be a happy message, okay? I'm not going to condemn you or beat you up. I just, I, I believe the Lord's view on this is really, really good. I mean, it's like uh, uh, you can't fail. It's like an investment that you can't fail at. So I'm going to take that uh, angle on that. Um, even as we raised kids, I began to discover, like, God's word was so true in my life that as we raised our kids, we wanted them to experience what we were experiencing. So um, I believe, you know, when God said he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, I believe that. Like, everything is his, and, and it didn't matter what I had or didn't have. He was going to provide for me, you know? He was going to provide for me. And so as we raised our kids, I remember teaching specifically, uh, this story comes from our son who 
whose name is Jamin. He's now 19 years old. And uh, we began teaching him this concept of giving to the Lord. And, you know, I, I love how Jesus said the faith of a child because this is exactly like this is the portrait of that. We teach him uh, about the tithe, which is 10%, right? And he just jumps all in and, and he gives everything. So he made $5. I don't remember exactly how he made $5. But, so we're saying, okay, Jamin, how much, is, how much of that $5 is the tithe? And he says, 50 cents. He said, but I'm going to give it all, Dad. I'm going to give it all, Mom, right? And so he, one of the things he really wanted, he really wanted was a, a, a video game system. We didn't have one. And, and, um, but he gave that $5, all of his money, after learning about the tithe. And I, I swear to you, it had to be a week, two weeks after that. Someone just randomly says, I've got this PlayStation. Do you want it? It's got all these games. I don't want it anymore. Just randomly ended up with this PlayStation. Now, you, you, if you choose to tithe, that doesn't mean you're going to end up with a PlayStation, okay? <laughs> all right, and maybe you wouldn't want it. Don't let the, that deter you from tithing, okay? Um, but I just began to see God, and I've heard story after story. I began to see God come through in so many ways as people stepped out in faith. And, and really, the heart of the issue is God is after our hearts. The heart is, of the issue is God is after our hearts so that they're not divided, so that they're not uh, going after things that could take uh, possession of our heart more than him. So I'm excited about this message today, maybe way more than you are. But um, here, there's, here's several reasons. First of all, we haven't, if you're a guest here, I, I want you to know we haven't talked about this topic in forever. I know for the last five years, that's how long my wife and I have led this church. We've co-led this church. Um, I, I counted as best I could, I think, seven times we've talked about giving um, in five years, which if you multiply that out, that's like 260 Sundays, seven times we've talked about money. Now, Jesus did way better than I did because he, he, he shared in the Gospels, you can find 38 parables and Half of those parables deal with uh, either giving, possessions, or greed. So he talked about it way more than I did and do. Um, but we need to preach on it because it's biblical. Because God, in his brilliance, in his awesomeness, knows that the chief competitor for our hearts is money. And it's so subtle. It stinks. But it, it's so subtle. Like, we, you know, we get touched by God. We, we turn our affections to God. We love God. But then subtly these things creep into our lives. And I'm not, not even in just in the area of money and possessions, but other things too. We've got to really guard our hearts. Other things creep into our lives too. But uh, so many times, you know, it becomes more about how we look, what we dress, what we ride in, where we live, uh, you know, who we hang out with, and, and the money we make and the, and the jobs we have and, and all that stuff. And it's easy for our hearts to drift. It's so easy for our hearts to drift away from God and toward the physical money thing. Because in reality, money is a competitor because it can promise things that only God, it sort of promises things that only God can deliver to our lives. Uh, security, happiness, power, um, and things like that that only God can deliver. Freedom, significance. These are things that only God can give and yet to, there's, there's this subtle promise or hint, like if I just have more, 
If I just have more, I could be more financially secure. If I just have more, I'll be more free. If I just have more, I'll be more of a powerful person. People will look at me uh, in, in different ways. If I just have more, I'll be more significant. I'll gain in stature and significance because of my possessions. But God is really the only one who can change and satisfy all those things in our lives. And Jesus warned us. He said this, no one can serve two masters. This is Matthew 6, 24. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so Jesus was very aware of the issue, the tensions between our hearts and money, and what, what uh, contended for what mattered most and became first place in our lives. So I want to start off by just talking about the tithe for a moment. A lot of times we hear the tithe and we think money. Well, it didn't start off that way. A tithe could be a tenth of anything. So I want to show you in Leviticus, uh, verse 30, that uh, where, where this, it's talked about a lot in the Old Testament, but in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it says this. I, I think we'll have it on the screen in just a moment here. Verse 30 says this. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, now look at those words. It is holy to the Lord. I guess my translation is, mine's NIV too. I don't know why it's different, but this one says it's clearer to me. It belongs to the Lord. Does it say it? Oh yeah, I see it. I don't know what I'm doing here today. All right, it's there. It belongs to the Lord. A tithe belongs to the Lord. So as we begin to look at the things we have, the things we get, uh, you know, our paychecks and things like that, God views the stuff that we have as his. I know that we view the stuff that we have as ours, right? Uh, so we've, we've got this, 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 this battle on the verge of raging if we, if we don't figure out what's, what the truth is. Because God says, it belongs to me. It's mine, right? It's holy to the Lord. So we see here grain, a tithe of grain, which is a tenth of whatever that they gain from their crops, and then if you skip down to verse 32, it says this. Every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod. So if you envision like this rod, you know, okay, so there's this rod out there. Dave, don't kill me. Okay, the shepherd, uh, the, these sheep and these cattle pass under the rod. The tenth one is God's. It belongs to him. So there's the shepherd. He's, he's got his, his flocks and and all this stuff, but the tenth one, one out of every ten, God says, that's mine. I want you to know that's mine. And that verse goes on to say, we don't need to cover it, but, you know, it could be the best of your flock, or it could be the worst of your flock, but that one is mine, the tenth one. And a lot of times, you know, human nature would be, well, I'll just give God the one that's weak, blind, crippled, bad, injured, you know, not reproducing well, not the best of my flock, I'll give him the worst. That's, that's human nature. But God says the tenth one is mine. Now, um, just, just a couple uh, tidbits on tithe. Let's turn to Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. I really want this to be a teaching. It's important for us to understand the biblical perspective on the tithe. There's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of stuff that can... Uh, it, it can get very confusing because there's different camps that believe different things. And Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says this. This is an elementary uh, aspect 
of the tithe. Verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Now I want to stop there for a second. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. We don't see the word tithe in this passage, but the concept is there. And what, what is being com- communicated here is the first, the first of our gain, the first of our increase, the first of our paycheck, the first that we get goes to God. It's not the last. I think a lot of us get it wrong. Like, you know, one of the arguments to tithing is, I just don't have enough. Well, in reality, you do have enough. Let me ask you this question. What if your boss came to you tomorrow and said, we're having, we're having workforce reduction, we're not making budget, now you have an option. Either you, either you lose your job or you take a 10% decrease in your income. Now, unless you had another option, you would take a 10% decrease in your income, right? And if you took a 10% decrease in your income, what would you do? I mean, how, would you die? Would, would life be over? Or would you adjust your lifestyle to fit your income? Right? So you would adjust. So if you, if you buy these foo-foo uh, coffees, you know, these extravagant $5 cups of coffee, and you couldn't afford it, you would no longer do that. Or maybe you'd change some things like, honey, we got to get rid of cable. We honestly are in the process of talking about that in our home right now. Honey, we need to get rid of cable. We need to start saving some money in other areas. Or maybe you look at your Verizon bill and you say, this is out of control. We need, we need to change some things here. Or maybe, you know, instead of turning in your car every two or three years to get a new one, you keep it five or ten years. You just adjust, right? Life goes on. I, I think we're a lot more adaptable than we think we are. We, we could adjust a lot. I mean, if, you, if your income got cut by a third or, you know, by, even by a half, you would survive. Life would go on. Things would have to change, right? It would be less comfortable, right? But as long as God is in control of your life, you are going to be in good shape. So the tithe teaches me to put God first. Why? Because I am I'm taking this step. I am, I am stepping out. I don't know like uh, about all this stuff here. I am taking this step out, and I'm putting him first in my life. It's really symbolic, not just of our finances, but everything. We need to put God first in our life, right? You know, when it comes to uh, temptation, no, I've surrendered my life to God. He is Lord of my life. He is number one. When, when it comes to, you know, uh, the decisions I make or who I look to or who my hope is in, Jesus was found early in the morning. The first thing in the morning, he was found seeking the face of God, right, as the disciples were looking for him. So it really is very symbolic of who is first in our lives. Um, and we would have to make some arrangements to accommodate uh, any changes in our income because tithing really is about the heart. It's a heart matter. Our heart is in contention between God and money. And God is saying, if you begin to surrender your life to me and honor me first, just watch what I will do. In fact, that verse comes with an amazing promises, a promise. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crop. Then, then what? Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now that is good news right there. He said, if you trust me, just watch what I will do. I don't know about vats uh, over, uh, brimming with new wine and stuff like that, but it just sounds good to me. You know what I mean? You know, if that happened in your life, you'd probably be a happy person. 
right? So I want to give you a happy message. If you begin to trust the Lord in an area that you haven't trusted him, watch what he will do. Just watch what he will do. Now, you know, I, I've, uh, again, I've heard the story. I know I've experienced it myself, the, the, the tension. But I have all these bills. I, I have all these bills, and I don't know what. I've just got to pay my bills first. And, and here's the deal. This is what God says. God's word says, I'll show you in, in another passage too. But God's word says, you know, what? the first part of things, the first part of what you give has the blessing on it. Not the last part. Unfortunately, many of us have given the first part to National Grid, to GMAC, to the mortgage company, to the grocery store. We've given the first part of our income to these other areas. And then if there's any left, we give it to God. Now, there's no blessing on our finances when we do that because we're not trusting God. In fact, you know, it's a faith thing. God is saying, if I'm really Lord of your life and your heart is for me, you just got to trust me. And so, um, you know, we have the stack of bills, and, and we, you know, either we could say, you know what, I know there's these bills here. God has promised to take care of my every need, and I'm going to trust him. So I'm going to give to him first and watch what he does. The, the opposite is, you know, we pay the bills, and if there's any left, we give to God. But again, that's not walking in faith. That's, there's not blessing on the last part. There's blessing on the first part. So in Malachi, I want you to turn to Malachi. This is probably one of the more famous uh, passages on this topic. And, and really, I, I think a lot of times this passage has been portrayed very negatively. I really see this as a very positive uh, uh, perspective and communication from God to his people. And I'll, I'll share with you why I, I see it that way. But the, the first one is the tithe teaches me to put God first. God's number one in my life. He's number one in my finances. He's number one in my marriage. He's number one in my heart. He is first. All right? Um, verse 6 of Malachi chapter 3. It's the last book of the Bible. The Italians call him Malachi. Um, so, but this is his, his, his Hebrew name is Malachi, okay? And um, in verse 6 it says this, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Now, I am thankful for that. I'm thankful that he hasn't changed his mind toward me. I'm thankful that he doesn't, you know, I don't wake up uh, one morning and he's like, you know what, I'm just sick and tired of you. You, got it. you haven't gotten over your stuff in all this time. You know, he still loves me. He's still my father. He's still for me. His, his, he, I'm still the apple of his eye. Even in my mess, he's still a good God. And so he doesn't change. And I'm thankful for that. We, sh we should all be. Uh, verse 7 says, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from the decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Look at that invitation. See, it's God going after his people. Return to me. Return to me. It's an invitation with a promise. Return to me, and I will return to you. But you ask, how are we to return? Here's the answer, verse 8. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? He says, in tithes and offerings. Now, um, I get the sense from this passage that God is, is, not, is, is less concerned about his heart and his hurt tied to his, his people leaving him or abandoning him or, or turning their back on his ways. And he's more concerned about the cost or the consequences that they're facing because they've 
turned their back on him or disobeyed him or had to face consequences because they were in, in their effort to gain by keeping the tithe, they ended up losing. Now look at what it says in verse 9. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Their, their effort, their, their desire was to keep more, right? Like, if I don't have to give this tithe, I'm going to have more. But in reality, he's saying, you don't have more, you have less. Because you're robbing me. You're, 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 your finances are cursed. They're, it's costing you more. What he's saying is the 90% that you have with my blessing would go way further than the 100% you would have without my blessing. It's a faith thing. Numerically, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. You can't take a, a, you know, an accountant would have trouble with this. But the reality is God's promises, if you trust me, watch what I will do. And so his desire is for his people to be blessed. I could see in in this a sense of heartbreak, like, you're not blessed. Why are you missing the blessings that I have for you? Look at what he says in verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Watch what the promise is. And see if I will not throw open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. Now, you don't have crops, but another version or another translation would say, I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. Meaning, whatever's devouring you, you know, whatever the curse on your funds is, I'll take care of that. So your money will go farther, your possessions will go farther, the things that you have will go farther because my blessing will be upon it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So uh, the tithe teaches us first and foremost to put God first in our lives. When he's first, we're trusting him, we're looking to him, He's our provider, not our employer. We're believing him. You know, we're, we're giving, we're generous. We're confident that he will come through, that he will honor his promises in our lives. Um, so we, we begin to see that. And then secondly, the tithe provides for God's work through his church. Look at verse, um, verse 10 again. It says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. See, God is concerned in that day uh, with the Levitical priesthood, the, the churches of today um, back then were, were like the temple. Um, and, and so there was a provision from the people. It was God's perfect plan. There was a provision from the people to provide for the sustenance of the temple and, and everything was taken care of. Now, if you think about we just took the offering. A tithe was taken. Tithes and offerings were taken about 10 minutes ago or 15 minutes ago. And, and now, if you think about it, like as I look across, many of you were saved in this church or grew up in this church or matured, helped to grow to maturity in this church, maybe baptized in this church, married in this church, um, you know, or through outreach ministry, you, you, we connected with you through this church. Some of you uh, received counseling or ministry or were a part of just like uh, the heart of our church is giving things away and blessing our community. You've been a part of the local church. And God's great plan is to, through the tithes and offerings, support the local church so that the, the people who live in that community 
are a blessing to that community. Now, if this church wasn't here, you wouldn't be here today. Maybe you wouldn't be in a church at all, or maybe you'd be in another church. I don't know. But we need more churches that are touching people's lives in our nation. And I believe that if every person got a hold of the concept of tithing, I mean, every missionary that would need to be sent out would be sent out. Every building that needs to be built would be built. There'd be more people saved. There'd be uh, more moving in the kingdom of God. Money, you know, money is tied to that aspect. More people would be fed. More uh, naked would be clothed. And it just goes on and on. The work of the kingdom would be accomplished. But you know, what happens is a lot of people, um, either through theological beliefs about the tithe, or just they want to keep their money, don't tithe. So what the church has to do is they have to have bake sales and car washes and things like that, which really, it, it circumvents the true purpose that God has for his church. God wants his church to be generous so that, you know, as the church is generous, more lives are touched and the kingdom expands. Listen, our goal is to touch Onondaga County with the gospel of the kingdom, the presence and love of God. And so it happens by people who understand that God promised to bless you when you respond to his, his offer. So he, God's, uh, the tithe increases, um, or the tithe provides for God's work through his church. God had his own fundraising program. We don't have to have all these other things. Like we're scheduling something up right now for um, the teens because they're going to take a mission trip next year, an electronic fundraiser, fundraiser. I would love to just say, you know what? We've set aside X amount of dollars, we'll just send them because we know uh, being in a foreign mission field, going and ministering is going to touch lives. It's going to not only touch lives in that foreign field, but it's also going to touch their lives and they're going to be just powerful. Um, they're going to be passionate for Jesus. We'll send them right out of our budget. That would be amazing, right? That would only happen if people said, you know what, I, I believe that. I trust God. Like, man, that'd be amazing. Now, the cool thing that God says is this. In verse 10, it goes on to say, he not only said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and it should be important that we care about our community. You know, we give, we, we want to see our community, our neighbors, our co-workers touch. We want to see God moving. And verse, verse 10 goes on to say, not only bring the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, but he says, test me in this. It's the only time that God gives us the invitation to test him. It's the only time in the whole Bible that God says, test me. So what he's saying is, you know what, I just can't wait. If you give me the opportunity, if, if you trust me in this, you give me the opportunity to show you how good I am, you watch what I do in your life. You watch how I bless you. You watch how I pour out so much blessing. But some of us, we just don't want to test them. We, you know what, we're like, no, I'd rather, I'd rather have the 100% uh, not blessed than the 90% blessed. And... We've never taken that test. We've never taken that test. And I would encourage you to pray about that. I would encourage you to pray about taking that test because it teaches us that God is faithful. Now, if we have not seen God's faithfulness in one of these minor things, how could we expect to see God raise the dead? How could we expect to see God open blind eyes and, and, and heal deaf ears? And uh, I mean, how could, we, how could we expect higher levels of faith when we're we're not even believing God for one of these minor things. You know, you know what I mean? So I believe like it's a building block of faith that we just trust God and say, you know what, God, this is minor. You, you've I mean, it's clear as day. You've promised to bless me. I'm going to trust you. Here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test you in this. 
And so I believe one of the fundamental or elementary things of the Christian faith is to begin to trust God, to step out in faith. So tithe increases my faith in God. It does require to give, uh, it does require faith to give first. It requires faith to give first because then the other 90, you're like, well, I, I don't know. I really don't have enough in my account to pay all these bills. I, I don't know how I'm going to make it this week. I don't know what it's going to look like this week. And it, so it takes faith to give first and trust God for the rest. It does not take faith to give last. It does not require any faith to give God the last of your increase. No faith at all. And, it can't, you know, the last part is not blessed. Like I said earlier, Peter had to step out of the boat before he actually walked on water, right? Jesus said, step. Now, it took an act of faith. He would have never walked on water until he took that step of faith, right? I remember uh, 10, almost 11 years ago now um, when we knew we had a call of God on our lives and, and uh, uh, an opportunity came for us to leave the marketplace um, and come on staff here. We took a significant uh, cut and pay. And I didn't know what that was going to look like. You want to talk about, t- no, this was like a near 50% cut and pay, not 10%, like a near 50% cut and pay. So we had to take a step of faith before, before anything was activated by God to come through in our situation. We didn't know what it was going to look like. It was it like, it's like you're walking in, in a dark room, in a dark place, you don't, you're feeling yourself around you, you know, you, as best you can, you believe you've heard God, you believe that, you know, God's moving and God's going to step in on your behalf. And, and until we took that step of faith, we wouldn't have known what, there was no guarantee about what the income would look like or how we'd pay our bills or pay our mortgage and things like that. But once we took that step of faith, I cannot tell you enough stories about how God came through because he's faithful. He's just, that's what we need to know. He's faithful. He's after our hearts. He wants us to trust him and believe him. Now, I'm thankful that a lot of you didn't get up and walk out yet. Because here's the deal. Can I be totally, I need to be totally honest with you. I don't want your money. This is not for me. This is not, you know, I want you blessed. I care about you. Even if you walked out the doors of this church and said, "I, I don't like that guy talking about money, went to another church, tied there. Okay, tithe there. You're going to see God's faithfulness come through in your life. I, I want to see you blessed. I want you to, I want to see God building your faith. I want to see your faith being strengthened. I want to see your trust in God being, and your confidence in God coming through in these supernatural areas, these ambiguous areas. I want you to see that happening in your life. It's amazing to watch. And, you know, he does things like there's no one that can get the glory but him. And so, like, there's no, you can't take credit, look at what I did, you know. It's all God. And that's like, many times, that's where he wants us. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he wants his people taking steps of faith, risking, you know, there's, there's areas, you don't know what it looks like on the other side, but you're just taking that step and you're believing him. God, I believe you. I know this is your word. I know you're true. You're not a man that you're going to lie. I am going to trust you in this. And so um, faith increase, excuse me, uh, tithing increases my faith in God. Now, the argument, here's the argument why a lot of people don't tithe. Or not, not all, but a lot of people don't tithe. And that's this. Well, well, isn't the tithe 
really under the Old Testament law? And how does that apply to the New Testament? I'm glad, I'm glad you asked. Because it's a, it's a legitimate question. It really is. It's a legitimate question. Isn't tithe under the Old Testament and the law? And since we're under the new covenant, we're under grace. And, and because the law, it doesn't apply in that way anymore. Uh, aren't I relieved from tithing? Great question. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. In the context of this uh, passage, this is Paul writing to the Corinthians. <coughs> is this. He's talking about an offering. He's not talking here specifically about the tithe, okay? But I want, even before I uh, talk about Corinthians, I want to say this. Do you remember the Jews who were, were under the law when Jesus came? He, he, he walked with these disciples. He lived with them. He died. He, uh, he was buried and then resurrected. Do you remember like, uh, uh, like the Peters and the Johns and the Jameses and the Andrews and and all of them, and even the early disciples that were not uh, apostles, didn't become apostles, when Jesus, we begin to read in the book of Acts how giving changed for them. Because they were released from the Old Testament law. And, and you would think, and it would be nat- human nature to say, I'm not under the law anymore, I don't need to give anymore, you know, I, you know I'm free from that. The, free, the, the law was a schoolmaster. It was a tutor to teach me about my sin and, and, and show me that I needed God more in my life because I can't live sin-free. I just need more of God. So I don't need to be under, I'm not under that anymore. I don't need to tithe anymore. A lot of us, a lot of us live that way now. But you, you begin to look at the early book of Acts and what happened to them. They were freed from the law and they didn't give less. They actually gave more. You begin to see in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 5, that people, people were just giving stuff away. I mean, they, you get no account of that in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes, the law is no longer applicable in that way uh, to the people's lives, and they're, they're more generous than they were before. They, they start to give away stuff. They start to sell properties because a, a friend over here has need. They, they start to, you know, and, and it begins to, you begin to see how the body of Christ changed. Like the tithe, it, it changed from just a tithe, like this bare bones minimum to, man, I, I could be way more generous than that. I could give way more than that. And you, uh, throughout the early book of Acts, you see the generosity of the early church. So that's the Jews, the Jews who were set free from the law, now are under this, this covenant of grace, are, are generous beyond belief. Well, now we're reading a story from the Gentiles and their lives, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 16. So Paul goes out, you know, and, and various people go out and begin to evangelize and establish churches throughout the known world. And Paul is writing to the Corinthians, which, is not, which was not a Jewish church, um, and he writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And again, the topic is tithe, but I want you to see the pattern here. Excuse me, the topic is offering to the, uh, the needs of um, missions in Jerusalem. But I want you to see the p- uh, pattern here. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. Now who are the Galatian churches? They're other Gentiles. They're other people who are not Jews. They weren't under the law originally. He says, do what I told them to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. 
And so Paul is teaching about this concept of giving where he goes, right? He goes and he says, you know, giving is significant. Giving will, will set you free. Giving will keep you free from the love of money. Giving will keep your heart and affections toward God. It will keep God first in your life. It will build faith to show you that God will come through as he promised, right? So he's teaching these people. So we see that he's, te- he's taught the Corinthians. He's taught the Galatian churches, which are several of them. Uh, do what I told you to do on the first day of every week. So we see that giving is regular, right? Giving is regular. It's routine. Every week, boom, 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 we're giving, right? It's not, okay, I got 20 bucks today, I'll give, you know, but there's no, there's no rhyme or reason. It just happened to be in my pocket. No, there's a regular, very intentional pattern to this. On the first day of every week, each one of you, so it's not only regular, but it's also personal, he doesn't say, you know, if you feel like it, maybe there's a couple of you in the congregation, maybe here or there, if anyone just feels moved. No, each one of you, so it's regular and it's personal, should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Now, this last one, it's not only regular, it's not only personal, but it's proportional. So one of you who gives 20 bucks, and that's like a, a huge sacrifice for you, the other one maybe sitting next to you should give $2,000 because it's in proportion in keeping with your income. Do you see that? So, so giving should not only be regular, and Paul's establishing this pattern with the Corinthians, it's not only regular, it's not only personal, but it's proportional. Now, we're in the New Testament now, so we're, we're talking about the question, under law, not under law, tithe, not tithe, what should we do? Listen to me, grace always exceeds the law. Grace always exceeds the law. So which standard do you think is higher? Just in your opinion, don't answer the question rhetorical. Um, A flat 10% or a proportional gift based upon our income? Um, A flat 10% would be the Old Testament tithe. A proportional gift would be like giving based upon the New Testament. You may, if you weren't here um, we talked about how rich we are as a people. The people in this room right here, we're not, a rich, we're not in a super rich community, but the people in this room are in the top 1%, the top 1% of the richest people in the world. We live in the richest day. We live in the richest time in the history of the world. Okay, so we're, I mean, we're rich. If, if you're not convinced of that, I could help you someday. Um, believe that. But we're a rich people. We, we but beyond belief, rich there's many nations that work for one, two dollars a day. Like, they, I mean, they work their tail off for minimal amounts of money. We're a rich people. And, and so when, when we look at our income and we say, well, I'm going to drop, you know, a couple bucks in the offering basket, that, I mean, that's, that's nothing to God. We, I would challenge you, and I believe the word of God is, is pretty clear. Like, we should be generous people. Proportional giving is higher because, like, if you are greatly blessed, you should be a great blessing. You should go far beyond 10%. You know, 10% was the Old Testament standard. But, but uh, grace goes way beyond the law. So, again, I don't want your money. Go to some other church and bless them. I want you blessed. That's what I want. You know, and go to some other church. Give, I challenge you to be a progressive proportional giver. Next year, if you start this year at 10%, give 11% next year. Give 12% the following year. Watch what God does. You're thinking, you know, I know some of you are probably holding on to your wallet right now. You're sweating. You're like, honey, let's go. Maybe you're squeezing your wife's hand right now. Like, why did you make me come today? You know, (laughs) but here's the deal. 
God is, I just want you to know, God is faithful. God is faithful to his promises. He, he always comes through. So I would view the New Testament starting point as 10%. That's just a starting point. I mean, I, I think it would go way beyond that. I believe it's, the standard of giving is higher in the New Testament. Um, let, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Because there's this great promise in Malachi chapter 3, but since that's under the old covenant and we don't want to think about that as being beneficial to us, even though we should, I'm just saying that like uh, uh, mockingly, if you will. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, um, again, this is on the concept of offering just to keep a clear context of what's going on. But there's these great promises in the Old Testament like, you know, I will, flood, I will pour out so much blessing, you won't be able to, con- you're just going to be blessed, 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 right? Uh, and so that's the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Well, look at verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It says, remember this, whoever sows spl- sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So God's saying, based upon how you give, you're going to be blessed. All right, so in the Old Testament, it was you're not tithing, you're not giving offerings. You know, the, your, your finances, he used the word curse, which, you know, you're, you're facing the consequences of your generosity, if you will. And it goes on to say, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 10 says this. Now, he who, this is quickly becoming some of my favorite passages right here, 10 and 11. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Check this out. You will be enriched or made rich in every way so that you could be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. There's promises tied to our generosity. There's promises tied to our willingness to let go and to give. There's promises to that. He will pr- pay you back. Um, in I think it's Luke, it says, press down, given, it'll be given to you. Press down, shaken together, and running over. Listen, anytime you dare to give generously to God, he will pay you back and bless you abundantly. I don't know about you. I want to be blessed. I have been blessed. I've seen the effects of this in my own life. And I want to see that same effect in your life. We have a short video where we interviewed uh, uh, I think three different, uh, three different parties, if you will, four different people um, who, who really went through this process of deciding to tithe, not tithe, struggled with it, and then began to see the blessings of God. We want to play that now. All right. So I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm not here to condemn you or guilt you. But God says this, test me. He says, test me. And if you're, if you're here, you're like, okay, I've heard that message before. I'm already a tither. I would say, I feel like God would even say to you and affirm you, way to go. Listen, he, I, know, I know for a fact, I, don't, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even question it. I know he would, have had, he would have and has demonstrated his faithfulness to you. I think some of you should even be open to the challenge by the Lord to give more. Be more generous. Take steps progressive steps to give more but some of you like this is this is key for you like this is this is key like this is a key point in time where like if you if you choose not like if you're not gonna 
make a choice on this, no matter how much we preach about other stuff, I think like some people will remain stuck. Like, I don't want you to remain stuck. I want you to be free. Take that step of faith and watch what God will do. He, he says, test me. And so we're going to do something. This, this is optional for anyone who wants to do it. If you don't feel compelled to do it, you don't want to do it, I'm 100% okay with that. We're not trying to uh, cause you to give under compulsion or pressure or guilt, okay? But here's the deal. We're doing a 90-day tithe challenge. And if you want to pick up the papers, they're right on the reception desk. I didn't want to put them in your hand and make you feel obligated. You, you would have to go and grab them to get them. And here's what the 90-day tithe challenge is. You can view this in a worst-case scenario as a savings account for Christmas for you, okay? I, I challenge you to give for 90 days to the Lord 10% of your income. If it doesn't work, if you don't feel like you're blessed, if you don't feel like God's honored his promise, that he has not come through, I will commit to give you every single penny that you gave back. I will commit to that. We promise you. But we would need to know that you're involved in the challenge if you're going to do that. And so that would mean right now you're not tithing, and you're going to take this challenge. You're going to test God by giving. And again, don't do it. Don't do it if you're feeling guilty or condemned because this message was supposed to be a happy message that makes you feel good about God's promise of blessing. That's what I want you to hear. That's what I want you to take away. God promises to bless his people who trust him, okay? So if you want to take the challenge, you could grab one of these. You could fill it out, give it to one of our pastors, give it to Joan, and uh, we will watch. In fact, I want to hear the testimonies when God comes through. We will watch God bless your life. I know he will because that's his word and he's faithful to his word. Amen?